Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com. Giants reporter over here with the dumpster fire episode. I'll explain that in a little bit. But it's because we're having on our least favorite, everybody's least favorite, Eagles reporter, Jimmy Kemsky. I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but he came out with his 10 reasons the Giants are going to be a dumpster fire this year article, and we're going to take him to task for some of those reasons that he provided. In the meantime, the news we received this week, Giants training camp schedule came out in regards to open practices for fans. There are nine sessions beginning July 26th. Uh, Everyone veterans report on the 25th. Rookies actually report a week earlier. Not every team has their rookies come in a week earlier, uh, but this seems to be what Brian Dable prefers because I believe he did it last year as well. Get them integrated, integrated into the system and practice. Really get them ready for training camp a week before the veterans come in, try to get them caught up a little bit. So they're not sort of the fish out of water when training camp starts. So they'll be on be in on the uh, 18th. Veterans report on the 25th. First practice open to the public is the 26th. The open to the public is 26th, 27th, 28th. Right then 30th, 31st, 1st, and then 3rd, 4th, 5th. Three of those are actually 5 p.m. practices, the 28th, the 1st, and the 5th. The others are all 10 a.m. So if you want to come out, make sure you get uh, re- you make reservations for those. They're not tickets. They're not for sale. It's free, but you have to make reservations. Uh, they go. Uh, they are available to fans, season ticket holders, I believe, on the 11th, and then uh, general public on the 13th. You go to Giants.com, and uh, that's where you can get tickets to Giants training camp. And then there's also Giants Fan Fest, where you can get tickets to that as well. So. Uh, that's all available at giants.com backslash training camp if you want to look there. Now let's take care of some business. We'll we'll make this real quick because let's get we're gonna get to Jimmy in a second. But I wanted to touch real quick on the Saquon Barkley contract situation because we're sitting here and it's I'm taping this in June. You might be listening to it by this that point in the beginning of July. The date is July 17th. That's the deadline. That's the date you have to keep note of. That's the date. That if the Giants don't have a long-term contract with Saquon Barkley, they cannot sign one until after the 2023 season. So his only option, if he wants to sign it and play this year, is to be on the one-year franchise tag at $10.1 million. Now, I'm on record saying I don't see any way that Saquon Barkley really holds out and doesn't play this year. I don't really see that happen. But he could give them hell, make their life miserable, and so I think... When it comes down to it, the closer we get to that date, the Giants will be open to trying to find a compromise between the two sides. In the meantime, there really hasn't been any progress made. There isn't uh, anything close to being done. As a matter of fact, the longer we go here, 
I become more under the impression that the Giants aren't all that motivated to really sign Saquon Barkley to a long-term deal. They're more than willing, more than happy, and Joe Shane has said this publicly, that part of their plans, one of their options, was that Saquon Barkley would be available on the franchise tag this year, and they were all right going that route. And I really do think if all things were equal, that's what they would prefer. Now, they haven't made much progress yet. As a matter of fact, Saquon has spent, both of them have been in Europe at times the last few weeks. Saquon Barkley was in France at one point. Joe Shane, I believe, went to Italy. So this is sort of the downtime. But as we inch closer to July 17th, as we get right around that date, I think we there might be a middle ground that makes sense for both sides. Let's say, for example, if the Giants just, okay, we'll give you, we'll guarantee you basically what the franchise tags would be on back-to-back years, around the $22 million. We'll basically just guarantee you that second year. And the deal can end up being four or five years. But if they get to that, I think that's something that Saquon Barkley would have to consider at this point. He would have to. You know, they can make the deal look like whatever they want. It could be $13 million a year. Years three and four could be whatever. But the way the money is spread around, really what he's guaranteed is $22 million over the first two years with, who knows, probably some possible incentives. Now, I'll have a story coming out about the whole situation. You know, Saquon told us to read between the lines. I'll have a story on ESPN.com next week probably, and it'll explain what I mean by what I believe he meant by read between the lines, and namely guaranteed money and bonuses and incentives, okay? Those are the key things. So we'll get to that as we move forward here and get closer to that deadline. But in the meantime, let's go to Jimmy Kemsky. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's have a little fun here. Let's bring in Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, You know him well if you're a Giant fan because he's the one who puts out all the (laughs) Giant hate. Noted Giant hater. Actually, (laughs) Jimmy, I'll just say this. You're a noted hater of equal opportunity of the Cowboys and the Commanders as well because he does this series every year and it's 10 reasons why the blank team, so in this case the Giants, will be a dumpster fire this season. So, And the Eagles too. Don't forget them. I also do the okay, Eagles. Okay, do, do, do the Eagles. I'm, yes. 
It, it that hits a little different though, because that comes off as more as I guess sort of sarcasm, maybe. Oh no, I rip them pretty viciously. If, uh, if especially if like the the year after you know they went four eleven and one, uh, so that would have been twenty twenty one. I I tore them apart, and they didn't like it. <laughs> so they didn't appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've commented on it before. Yes. So, so you dropped the Giants one. We're taping this on. Jeez, it's the summer. It's Tuesday, I believe, right? Yes, it's Tuesday. Uh, so you drop it on Tuesday. What's the uh, feedback so far? And how often do you go look at the Twitter mentions and all these other outlets and your DMs and your you know Instagram DMs and all to see the outrage that's directed at you? Yeah, it's funny because last year. There was there was not a peep really from Giants fans, and that one was really they fun. Accepted their suckiness, Tony <laughs> Yeah, I mean that one was uh, fun to write because you know they had all that. I mean they weren't just bad on the field, but they had just they were just a sideshow disaster. And so like the judge, yeah. the, the free medium soda, and like you know the double QB sneak, so they had more room to punt. You yeah. know, just all. <laughs> yes, so I just they call for that roster, but easy to joke about, which is which is really saying it all that it was the right play call for that roster. Was that Jake Fromm with the quarterback yes, in that game? At Fromm on the first down play, I always tell the story. He went back to throw a pass, a play action pass, fullback in the flat, and he was open by like eighteen yards, <laughs> and so he literally missed him by like eight. Yeah, so he bounced <laughs> the ball. Like ridiculously short of the fullback in the flat, who wasn't being covered by anybody on the uh, like within like the you know ten yards of the field, and at that point Joe Judge had just had enough, and he's like, "I'm not letting this guy throw the ball again." <laughs> I mean, that can't. That's great. We can't. Like, I don't want this guy. I'm just going to run the ball. Yeah, you never see the first play, so maybe they're you know, I, I, it's still unforgivable, but <laughs> but like it's an easy joke. I mean, it's easy it's right there. It's teed up. So to answer your question, yeah, they, they were they, they were pretty much all in agreement with my hammering of them last year. So but what's the, what's the complaints this year then? But you make the playoffs and you win a playoff game. I think the beer muscles are back. They're back. Yeah, <laughs> the Giants fans and yeah, they were. Uh, you know that there's been uh, some vitriol thrown thrown back my way this year uh, in the early going. It must have been posted on a message board somewhere. I'm guessing. Because I didn't hear anything until like I posted it at like six in the morning. I didn't hear anything until like Blue Interactive is my guess. That, that, that's probably it. Yeah. Vicious, yeah, they've hammered me before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's uh like around like yeah, one or around like one or two, maybe three. I don't know what it was. So around there, I, all of a sudden I don't know. Like boom, I was just getting hammered left and right, uh, both you know by Twitter. Uh, a, a bunch of emails came in. Some of these emails are crazy too because they're just extreme profanity and it'll be like one of the emails is the managing partner of a law firm and i think like it's got all this information right on the email and just like writing some really like profane stuff it's crazy what people are willing to do like write in an email give me a taste with, with, in like with their name on it give me a taste of like what he would, would like what kind of ridiculously would he ridiculousness he would write with keeping it in context that this is sort of it, <laughs> this is a this is a Disney owned podcast. Uh yeah, it's uh I don't remember talking exactly about his family members who were like No, 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 no. pass or something. 
the, the majority of it is like, you know, F you, typical Philly trash, you know, that kind of stuff. But it, the lawyer at least had good grammar and spelling. And it's like, you know, which is, uh, that's, that's a pretty low bar to clear, but a lot of, most people don't clear that bar. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of, uh, AOL email addresses. Yeah. <laughs> I find Mark <laughs> that art on Twitter. A ridiculous stereotype, but I believe it to be true. Like if you have an AOL account, I, you know, <laughs> you're just old. And you're a boomer. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we just, we could just laugh and yeah, you have no chance at, you know, develop. Advancing and take the, this new technological age. So yeah, I'm also amazed by how many people just write their email in the subject line. <laughs> Full email just in the subject line. Yeah, yeah, like three or four cents in the subject line. All right, let's get into the dumpster fire though. Some details, sure. okay? So let's start with this. Obviously, when you're writing these, you have you're looking at every team and you're nitpicking every team and you're you're gonna would use whatever you have. Yeah, how much do you really believe this year that the Giants, coming off a nine and seven and one season, they made the playoffs? Obviously, got crushed by the Eagles in the playoffs. They're, they weren't close to them last year, but they, it was a successful year. Like yeah, I think you said, sure. it, even the most delusional Giants fans, that's about pretty much as good as you could vote for. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I should. Yeah, go ahead. I should note first of all that you know, like you said, I'm just picking at every little scab I can find, and like there's nothing positive about any of these teams and these but so like Dexter Lawrence's name did not get mentioned in that article <laughs> you know like you know what I mean so like like I'm not talking about anything nice about the team guys you think are good you just really own it yeah they get completely ignored <laughs> yeah 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 like I'm not I think they're gonna be a dumpster fire this year that's my question like really I'm not I mean I think they're gonna be like seven and ten eight and nine somewhere in that range you know they're they're not gonna be horrible but you know you look at a team here that uh, I mean, first of all, they got out, out to that six and one start, seven and two, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, the two, five and one down the stretch, win a playoff game, you know, congrats. You know, the, obviously the five years prior to last year, you look at those seasons cumulatively, worst record in the NFL, tied with the Jets uh, in the entire NFL for that five year span. So <laughs> I'm sure you did. So, yeah, I mean, uh, they, rise up from that you know basically the, the the basement of the nfl and they make the playoffs and you know congratulations it was good to congratulate the giants and their fans you know kind of good to see them back a little bit but a lot of the games i watched you know it's like when they were against better teams particularly obviously the eagles like we're obviously sitting there live watching it was odd because the one game where it was you know at least kind of close the Giants weren't even playing their starters. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was a weird game. But the two games where both teams are at, you know, full strength or whatever they're playing, you know, they're going all out to win. The Eagles just wrecked them in both of those games. And, you know, I saw them play Dallas. Uh, you know, wasn't impressed with them, in the, you know, in, in those games. But, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of those early games in the season, you know, it felt like a lot of the teams they were playing were just kind of cruising along. Um, and then, bam, they made up some huge mistake. And then, like, you know, the like the Titans game, the guy, you know, yeah. Picker misses the field goal uh, at the end of the game. And uh, they win the game as a result of that. The Ravens game, Lamar Jackson throws a horrendous pick. Yeah, awesome. uh, you know, just stuff like stuff like that happened. You know, so, this uh, is sort of like uh, the past years, those are the kind of things that were going against them. 
Right? They were the ones doing. Yes. At least, at least there was finally the other teams doing. I think as a giant fan, you're like, finally, we're not the ones blowing away, uh, you know, blowing games that we absolutely should have won and throwing away things. So that alone makes it a success for them. And there's like four teams last year that made the playoffs with a negative point differential, which is just a crazy. I mean, I guess that you're that's maybe going to be a little bit more expected. Them in the mic. going forward. Yeah, going forward because there's, you know, seven teams in each conference that I'll make the playoffs. But, you know, the Vikings were the obvious. I mean, they're 13 and four. And they're actually, their point of rush was actually like worse than the Giants by like a couple dozen points, I think. Well, uh, I think that, that Cowboys game. They lost to the Cowboys by like, <laughs> it was 30, yeah. 41 points. 41 3, maybe? So, something like that. They got blown out. And that obviously hurts the point. Yeah, the Eagles blow them out too. I don't remember what that score was. Uh, but they, yeah, they they had a lot of they had a lot of bad losses, uh, a lot of very close wins. The Dolphins, I think, were another one, maybe. And then there's a fourth team that I remember. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen very often. Where, in fact, one of the things that I have in an article is you know, the last nine teams, not including this past season, obviously, because we don't know what the follow up season is. But the last nine teams that had a negative point differential did not make the playoffs the next year. So you know, the odds are kind of stacked against them in that you know there's. I hate using the term or the phrase regression to the mean because I think that gets a little overused sometimes and, you know, it maybe it's used correctly all the time. They do. <laughs> but on that theory, I think they're, I think they're facing that in 2023. Yeah, I mean, obviously the whole division has a much harder schedule. You don't play the AFC South, which stunk last year. Right now you're playing the AFC East, which you can make the argument is the best division in football. Yeah. Uh, right there, that makes it a much, much harder sledding for both teams. Now, you do start by uh, taking aim at the Daniel Jones contract. <laughs> yes. Uh, are you completely a non-Daniel Jones believer? Like, obviously, there's things to say. The turnovers in the past, um, you know, the the 15 touchdown passes is an easy one a lot of people use. Are you of the belief that Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback, is a good quarterback, is a quarterback you can win with? Like, where do you stand on that? I don't think he's a quarterback that he's going to carry you to a Super Bowl. I think you got to have just an extreme amount of talent around him to get you there and to win it. Let me ask you this then. Is Jalen Hurts a quarterback? Like, that you could just ride to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he had a tremendous amount of talent, helped him have that big jump. I you one of the best Super Bowl performances in the history of the league. Yeah, they lost, but he was awesome in that game. Uh, and you know, it was obviously the MVP runner-up during the season. He has a ton of help. Like, let's be very clear about that. He's got arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. He's got AJ Brown. He's got Devontae Smith. He's got Dallas Goddard, um, and he's got. I mean, you know, and I, I didn't think, I didn't think a whole lot of Miles Sanders, you know, average, you know, lead back, but you know, their running game was always, and he's a big, by the way, Jalen Hurts a big part of their running game too, but they, they always had that running game to, you know, kind of keep defenses honest and, you know, some, have some guys in the box um, and the RPOs, uh, you know, certainly accentuate his strengths and I think Nick Sirianni's done a good job of building an offense that supports him so he's got a lot really got a lot of things going for him but yeah certainly I think he's a lot better quarterback than Daniel Jones so full disclosure two years ago 
And every time I seem to watch Jalen Hurts, he played poorly. He had some bad, bad games. Mm-hmm. His worst game of his career might have been against the, the Giants. It was for sure. Yes, normal. I, I was of the belief at that point that if you switched the teams, you gave Daniel Jones <laughs> Jalen Hurts' his offensive line, that Daniel Jones was a better quarterback. Now, I've kind of flipped on that after seeing what Jalen Hurts did last year because he, to be frank, went into areas that I really didn't think he was going to be able to get to. Uh, the, the leaps that he made. And and so I've kind of flipped on that. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I do think it's a lot closer than most people would probably realize that if Daniel Jones had that supporting cast and he had that kind of offensive line to just sit back there and be able to throw the ball, which he definitely hasn't at any point with the Giants, we would think differently of him as a quarterback. Yeah, my concern with him is just how conservative they were last year. To an extreme degree, like they had the lowest number of pass plays of 20 plus yards off the top of my head. I think it was 20, 28. Oh, okay. And then I think the league average is like 49. <laughs> they, they barely add half of the league average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just, you know, the the other NFL. Part of that though, that, like we have to be fair, his starting wide receiver is the first. He- sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Marcus Johnson. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, David Sills, like that's who was starting at wide receiver at that point. With Dan Daniel Belger, did not exactly a big play waiting to happen at tight end. Yeah, and plus with a below average pass blocking offensive line, you put that all together, it was the, so like yes, part of that was we don't want him to make the mistakes. Part of it was okay, this is what we have to do because of what we have around him as well. So, yeah, and I think you know, very clearly, Dable doesn't want to be that kind of offense. Like they resigned. Slayton, who is, you know, was really their only downfield threat last year. They, they trade for Waller. They draft Jalen. I love Jalen Hyatt as a uh, as a prospect, by the way. And uh, who else? Oh, Paris Campbell, the other speed guy. Yeah. They want him pushing the ball out in the field. So you mentioned the 15 touchdowns. That's I don't really care about that so much because, you know, you score touchdowns however you score them. I think you know, the number of touchdown passes or the number of touchdown runs I think that can kind of get a little uh, um, over uh, the, the the importance of that can can be a little overstated sometimes. The five interceptions is it's like is the number that I look at and I go, okay, well that looks great on paper, only five interceptions, but with him pushing the ball down the field more this season, theoretically, you know, more than likely, that number's going up. I mean, let's be let's be very honest about that. Touchdowns is like there's very few quarterbacks every year that play every game and throw five touchdowns, five interceptions. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's just, that's really hard to do. Like you need a lot of things to work in your favor. You got a, a bunch of bounces work in your favor. Yep. Uh, like only like Alan Rodgers does that. There's not many other quarterbacks who do that on a consistent basis. And that's just, so in general, yeah, you're right. They'll probably, they'll probably jump a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, where do we go next? Uh, where do we go next? Okay. So, not a big fan of. We'll, we'll go to this, and then then we'll go to the one I want to. I want kind of want to debate you. So I, I do disagree. Most of these are actually valid. Okay, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, Daniel Jones. Okay, fine. Not. I think he's somewhere in between. Also, which, which you seem to agree with. Uh, the schedule being. I mean, uh, the regression of uh, you know after playing poorly after having such a small point differential. Their wide receivers being a lot of threes and fours. In general, I do kind of agree with that. Uh, the offensive line still stinking. Um, obviously, it's not a strength, especially if Evan Neal's not legitimately good. Oh, the point I make, by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't, by the way, on that, 
that dude owes Daniel uh, Daniel Thomas. Andrew Thomas, right. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. What did I say? Daniel Thomas? <laughs> owes Andrew Thomas big time. Andrew Thomas, you know, I don't think Andrew Thomas was as bad as a rookie as Evan Neal was last year. But yeah, and that was compounded by the other tackles that got taken after him playing well. Right. And as it he turned out, Nate Solder, I believe. At that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was he? The, did they move him to guard? Nate Solder, I believe, moved to right tackle. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Solder had one of the worst seasons like ever. Yeah, There's one year. Two of them together. He was a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like he was compounded. The, the, he like his struggles were compounded by you know they should have taken Tristan Wirfs or uh, I guess Mackay Becton was one of them. And who was the other guy? Oh, uh, Browns, uh, Wills, Jer- yeah, 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 Jedrick Wills. Um, Evan Neal was terrible, <laughs> obviously last year. But I think people were a little slower to criticize him because they learned the lesson from you know, Andrew Thomas, you know, having a bad year, and then he wound up being one of the best left tackles in the NFL. So he got a pass, I think, last year. Because Andrew Thomas sort of, you know, trailblazed the bad rookie season followed up by, you know, good performances in the years thereafter. Uh, but, you know, that's going to come in year two if he's if he's bad again. Yeah. And I think he was really I mean, so I I never really sat down and watched this whole season, of course, because I don't cover the Giants. But I would look at like his game. I would look at like the offensive lines games before they played the Eagles. And then obviously I saw what he did in the Eagles games. The Eagles just feasted on that guy. <laughs> like he was a guy that the Cowboys, by the way. Oh, did they? The okay. <laughs> was his worst game, baby. It was and that was on a forget, but it was a primetime game. So, so I remember that. Yeah, I re- yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember easy to realize, oh my God, this guy's struggling. Like they just tormented him. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see if he can turn that around or not. And I think maybe the prevailing thinking is he will because and I think it's just really because of his draft position but I, w- I would be less optimistic on that than I think the uh the, the you know the general Giants fan crowd on that one you know I think and I've said this several times on this podcast I you can't use him as, I think Andrew Thomas with his path is a little bit of an outlier so you can't like guarantee Evan Neal's gonna turn into this great player because Andrew Thomas did it right so if you think of the number of rookies that stunk you know, in their first year, the the yeah, they just continue to stay players. Yeah, most <laughs> of them continue yeah. to speak. Yeah. Now, I I do think, especially at that position, cornerback too, it's a position where you guys struggle as rookies and generally get better. So, mm-hmm. but I I think you know, hoping he's a average tackle this year is way more likely than a, than any other outcome. So, but we'll, okay, we'll see on that. So, okay, here's the one I wanted to pick at you because we you've been heavy on this since it happened. And- <laughs> Giants yeah, fans yeah. During the season, Joe Shane gets rid of good players for no good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and your contention here is mostly James Bradbury, and then you get into Julian Love a little bit. Uh, but my defense to this would be they're so tight against the cap; they are tr- they have to create space. So you kind of that Joe Shane has been in a position where he has to sacrifice someone or something. Right now, you're suggesting they sacrifice some of their future cap space in order to keep these guys. But my argument with James Bradbury, a guy like that, would be like Joe Shane takes over last year. The goal is to kind of okay rebuild. We'll see where we're at in like two years. We'll try to be good in two years. Why then carry the James Bradbury money and move some of it moving forward? 
you just sacrifice him or Dory Jackson, one or the other, whatever it was at the time. And you say, okay, we'll take our medicine now because we're looking to be good two years down the line and we'll make the dishes two years down the line where we don't have a 31-year-old James Bradbury. Right. So, <laughs> you know, my rebuttal to that would be you just don't get rid of good players. <laughs> like, it's not like he was really that old. He's not even, he's not 30 yet. He's 29 right now. And, you know, when they cut him, he was, he was 28. So, you know, he's a guy that was kind of, I want to say, maybe in his prime isn't the right way to put it because he was coming off a year that wasn't as good as his first year right. with first the Giants. Year, like, the Giants was the great year. Yeah, and then the second year, and, you know, it could be for any number of factors, like the, just not being able to get to the quarterback and you can't get to the quarterback, your guys on the back end are going to get exposed. Um, whatever whatever it may be, whatever, whatever the reason, he didn't have as good, year, as good a year in year two as year one, but he's a guy that they're in their building. I've talked to the guy plenty, you know, over the last year. He's a smart, really nice guy. <laughs> like it's, it's not like it's, this is a guy that is, uh, that, but my, my, my sense is that it, I don't want to say it got contentious between Bradbury and the giants. Certainly he didn't like the way they handled it with the way that they cut him in May after all the teams are on the league. Problem now, wasn't it? What's that? That he wasn't going to he he wasn't going to be willing to work with them that much because he was like, no, I'm not taking I'm not going to take a pay cut. I'm not going to you know sit here and uh, put myself in jeopardy of getting like that because his contract right was getting towards the end of getting that next deal. Like he didn't want to give the Giants any discount, so he was like, no, either. Cut me and let me move on and get myself ready for another right. contract, which he eventually he got this offseason. Yeah, three for 38, I think it was off the top of my head. That's that's pretty good money. And so that was part of the thing is he wasn't really willing to work with them that much. He didn't want to move his money moving forward. He didn't want to help out the team when the team was kind of dangling him, like you said, and leaving him till May. Well, he could have moved his money forward. I mean, he... They, the Giants didn't even need his permission to move his money forward. My understanding is they have they already worked into their contract that they can. Uh, I think Dan Duggan reported this from the Athletic, where they have some some, some like just automatic clause in their contract where they're right. the players can't reject them converting base salary into a signing bonus, which then they can dump into future years in the form of void an unhappy James Bradbury at that point. Yeah, but well, he's not going to be unhappy about that because he's not taking a pay cut. He's just playing for you for what you signed him for. It's, that's not a pay cut. In fact, you're just giving him cash. Like, yeah, right, right. But he's realizing they're not investing him in the future. Well, in that right. case, they would be because they're keeping him. I mean, unless he was like seeking him and then he's eventually going to become a free agent. Like if they really wanted to keep him, they would just give him an extension. Right. And lower his number that year. But they didn't want to do that. Well, was he seeking that? That he is that what he wanted? Because he had a good contract already. He didn't want it. Yeah, he he was he just wanted to be in good shape to get a future contract. Is my understanding? Right. See, my my contention here is, I don't think he was that. I don't think he was that expensive to keep for that. I mean, he had a big cap number, but again, you could have just sliced that and put that into future years. The actual savings by cutting him, like, wasn't that like it was what a little over ten million, if I recall correctly. Well, function not the season not okay the season. so there's my there's not my other the, answer by the way that's the cave that the, <laughs> that's the that's where gettleman kind of left like they were <laughs> they were gonna have to find a way to create money some way somehow 
But that right, and that's what Joe. So that's where I argue with what Joe Shane said. Joe Shane said they had to, they had to do something because they had to sign their draft picks and they had to sign. I mean, this is crazy. He said this, but they have to sign their practice squad guys, and uh, they need just, I guess, like the you know, two or three. It seems like they have two, three, four million. Yeah, you know, in, in just a buffer space in case you need to sign a guy middle of the season because guys get hurt or whatever it may be. So, um, the way that he kind of made it sound was that they had no choice. He didn't say this, you know, he didn't say this outright, but the way that he, you know, the way that he kind of made it sound was they had no choice but to, but to get rid of them so that they could sign. I think at the time they needed like twelve million or something like that in cap space, and they only had six. Yeah. But again, they could have just taken the money. I think he said, I want to shed 20 million, and they still had like another, let's say, six or eight to get to. Or something like that. But factually, they could have taken his, his base salary, converted that into a signing bonus, and dumped it into future years, and they could have easily signed all their draft picks. By the way, practice squad, and I made this point in the article, <laughs> like, only your top 51 guys count for the salary cap. So. Nobody on your practice squad counts toward your salary cap at all. They're just not, they're below the 51 man demarcation. <laughs> so like for him to say, I don't know why he would say that, but he did. Uh, but I, It costs you to add players during the season. If those well, not on the gaps. Spaces. Yeah, no, no, no. Not, not, not if they're below the 51 man demarcation. Only the top 51 guys count. And then anyone after. I don't know the exact machinations, but the definitely throughout the season, it costs salary cap money to make keep adding players to the roster because certain guys go to IR, right? Uh, not uh, actually getting straight cut. And you're you're adding money. They definitely you need operating costs. You definitely sure. I and I agree with them there. You need like the but almost every team has like two, three, four million dollar buffer. You know, if not if not more. What say again? I said Gentleman once said it was eight million, which means <laughs> right, right. Um, so where I where I land on this, you're right. It's peanuts. It's like you know a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. But if you look at it, the Giants actually did have to make a move during the season to continue operating and make additions to the roster. Okay. They really did. That's how bad a shape they were in. Here's ultimately where I fall on this. My guess is, I mean, so Joe Shane didn't bring in James Bradbury. He was a Gettleman signing. He's got no loyalty to James Bradbury. You know, he said all nice things about Bradbury. You know, uh, so and so coached him, and uh, so and so coached him. And, and, and I think it was he, he cited McDermott, maybe coached him in Carolina, and he, you know, he loved him. Blah 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 blah. I think they just didn't think he was that good. I think they just misevaluated his talent, or else they would have kept him. Fair enough. I mean, I, the other part of this is also that I, the Joe Shane was perfectly fine with being a bad team last year. Thought he was going to have a really high pick and draft a quarterback and need. Uh huh. I mean, clearly they didn't. They didn't exercise a fifth-year option, so like they were pretty much out on Daniel Jones this time a year ago. Not out, but you know they weren't expecting much. It was impossible to at that point. He missed the last six games of the previous season with a neck injury. You're not. I know people and people who say they should have picked up the fifth-year option. You just don't know what you're talking about because. Right, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you because you didn't say that, but like, yeah, that was that was. I thought about that. That was absent in my article by design. Completely, it completely revisionist history. <laughs> yes, that you know they should have picked up the fifth year option. You couldn't when a quarterback misses the final six games with a neck injury. How are you going to guarantee him money the following year? 
two years down the line. That wouldn't have made any sense. So, um, but yeah. All right. So let's finish on this. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on James Bradbury. You enjoy him because he actually is a great guy. He's a good guy. I'm sure you guys enjoy to have him around, but what is your feeling as we get out of here on the gap between the Eagles and the rest of the division? Has it closed at all? Because the Eagles obviously had to lose some players. Yeah. They lost some players defensively. They loaded up on young guys, but who knows how that eventually turns out, right? This year might not necessarily mean they're better this year. So has the gap closed between them, the Cowboys, the Giants, and even the Commanders? Yeah, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, not just the NFC East. And then I think the general can... Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Like, if, if it's if all these teams are in the AFC, maybe it's a different story. Like, you might put the Chiefs and the... Well, you put, everyone would think, we'll put the Chiefs ahead of, you know, we'll put them at the top of the league. Bengals, you might consider Bills, etc. In the NFC, there's a lot of garbage. And I think the consensus is that the number two team is the Niners. I don't see it that way. I think it's Dallas. So, I think Dallas... Uh, Dallas has some... They have a whole share of... A whole host of problems of their own. Their offensive line... Is sort of a ticking time bomb, but that aside, the two acquisitions they made, I think, are going to make them a lot better. So they had two big holes uh, on, you know, one one hole on each side of the one big hole on each side of the ball. One was their receiver opposite CD Lamb, and I think Cooks is an underrated player and kind of does what they need in that he can stretch the field. That guy has like an abnormal number of thousand yard seasons, and like he's still productive. Very like one of the oddest career paths that like in NFL. He's gotten traded. Nobody ever wants him, but he's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe he'll be good, really good for them for a year and then he'll be off, you know, with some other team in twenty twenty four. And then as you mentioned, uh Stefan Gilmore is just still a really good player. He's thirty two. He won't really see many really good thirty two year old corners. Uh, but he's one of them. And, you know, with him opposite Trayvon Diggs, and I really like their their slot corner too, by the way, Jerome Bland. I was a rookie last year. Those three guys uh, can all cover. So, yeah, I think that that team closed the gap a little bit on the Eagles. The Eagles, I mean, very clearly got, I think, a little bit worse this offseason. They lost both starting linebackers, both starting safeties. Javon Hargrave, I can't say enough good things about that guy. <laughs> like, he was, he was extremely good for them, particularly last year. One of the most underrated players in the league. That's a big big loss you know losing particularly to the san francisco by the way who you know they're gonna have to face once maybe twice this year um and then offensively they lose isaac samalo who they're gonna either have a rookie or a second year center who's never played guard before starting at right guard and you know they made they everyone consensus is that they had a great draft but you don't know what you're gonna get out of the like they got john carter of course they got nolan smith you don't know what you're gonna get out of those guys year one. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of question marks with the young guy. You don't know what you're going to get out of Kobe Dean at linebacker in a second year. So, yeah, I mean, they have their share of question marks, particularly on defense. And, uh, yeah, I think Dallas did narrow the gap just a little Jimmy's bit. scared of the Cowboys. <laughs> I expect to hear this. Stop kissing up the Cowboys fans. Your <laughs> 10 reasons why the Cowboys are going to suck next year is coming out soon. Oh, no, that came out. That, that, they always bat lead off. Oh, why? Because they have the most fans, <laughs> <laughs> and they they used to get the most. <laughs> they used to get the maddest at this series, 
But uh, I think Giants fans kind of overtook them. The Commanders fans just don't care. They're, <laughs> they're just like, I mean, maybe they will now because... Know our team sucks, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, I mean, That'll be interesting because Snyder's gone, so or will be gone soon. So they're going to be. It's, it'll be. I'm curious to see like how invested they are once again, and you know how mad they get when there's there's is going up tomorrow morning, and then I'll be Eagles on Friday. But I actually <laughs> like the Commanders roster aside from the quarterback. I yeah, I mean every year they, they've had a, this. It's going to be the seventh straight year they had. Oh, so I'm sorry. Last, including this year, this will be the seventh year that they have a different quarterback starting week one. Wow. Yeah. And they all stink, by the way. They're all been pretty bad. <laughs> yes. I, although Kirk Cousins could at least play. But uh, yeah, the rest of them has not been pretty for the Washington Commanders. And it's probably not going to be again this year. Jimmy Chemsky, ladies and gentlemen, Philly Voice, go read it. Uh, Ten Reasons. The Giants will be a dumpster fire this season. Also, 10 reasons the Cowboys will be a dumpster fire and 10 reasons the Commanders will be a dumpster fire dropping on Wednesday. Jimmy, I appreciate you, man. I'll see you down in Long Beach Island. Uh, Drinks on me for this one. All right, man. Love you, buddy. All right. Speak soon. Jimmy Kemsky. On to the next one. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's wrap up here with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is the part of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And so let me set the stage. I'm at a golf outing this week on Monday. Big Daddy. You know, Big Daddy does insurance. Coastal Advisors is his company. Holds the Big Daddy Celebrity Golf Classic. You know, that's Michael Strahan was there. Uh, last year, Joe Shane played. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of NFL people, football people, celebrities out at this event. So I'm playing golf at this event. But there's like a media portion beforehand, a little like uh, red carpet and and uh, picture area where you so where the celebrities go. Now, I'm not a celebrity. I'm a reporter. But these, I'm not even going to mention what company it was. But somebody says, hey, would you mind for radio doing an interview with us about the Giants? I said, okay, let me just go to the bathroom. I'll come back and I'll do it. I come back. We get ready to do it. Young guy, probably an intern, starts to go, hey, we're here with Paul Schwartz of the New York Post. I was like, wait, 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 hold on for my arm around him. I said, let's start over. 
I'm Jordan Ron. I'm from ESPN. Obviously, at that point, he's petrified. He feels terrible. Okay, me. Let's not. Let's be fair. I'm a. I'm laughing inside. I don't want to laugh in his face. I don't say anything. I'm in, probably insulted a little bit. Paul's older than me. I'd like to think that I'm a little younger. I look younger, a little younger, because I am younger. Fair, right? And you expect somebody, if they're asking you to do something for them, to know who you are and get it right. So, naturally, we do the interview. All goes well. Fine. We move on. I just, you know, I, I leave and I, I chuckle to myself. It happens, right? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It happens. I've seen somebody interview a player thinking he was a different player, right? Especially you, this was training camp. There's a lot of guys there. You've never met them before. Sometimes the uh, media relations brings people out. They tell you, you know, here's this guy, you know, and maybe they got it wrong or maybe they, they just bring a guy out. You ask for two different guys and they, the first guy they bring out, you don't know the difference. You've never actually met them face to face. But that's why you should always ask. And if you're a young journalist out there, I beg you, make sure you know the person's name. And if not, ask them beforehand. Ask somebody around there. You know, you don't, it's a bad look. It's embarrassing if you do that. Now, I, this guy's a young guy, but I, and, and I don't hold grudges and I don't really care. But I'm always going to look at him if I ever see him in the future. This young man who was probably an intern at a local radio station. If I ever see him again, I'm always going to look at him and be like, oh my God, that's the guy who called me Paul Schwartz. That's that's the guy. Like to me, that's always who he's going to be known as. So remember, it's important the first impression you make. Make sure you know the person's name. And if you don't, just be like, how do you pronounce your name? Can you can you pronounce it for me so I make sure I get it right? Then they tell you their name and you make sure you know their name and then you pronounce it right as well. So win-win for everybody. All right, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, we're going to try to do a different kind of episode in, in the next few weeks. Uh, lead up to training camp, get ready for training camp. Think about it. Training camp is only a few weeks away. It really is. Right around the corner so get ready in the meantime we'll do some summer interviews and uh i'll even do a giants after dark at some point i'm your host jordan ronan you're listening to breaking big blue see you next time